On today's show, a lot of heartburn over the proposed food tax increase. And the question, censure over impeachment. Representative Ben McAdams is on the censure train. Tune in Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11 for Dave and Dijanovic. Hey, podcast listeners, Ethan Millard and Alex Curie here from the Nightside Project podcast here at KSL Podcast. Get into Zen Headlines with us on the Nightside Project. Use hashtag Zen Headlines on social media to share stories that make you think, make you smile, spread love, spread joy, all those things. We'll share them on the Nightside Project podcast. One of the most popular podcasts ever. Nightside is a KSL podcast. Subscribe for free anywhere you listen to podcasts. Rescued from bankruptcy, um, but how would we operate? Um, you know, so, so there are little bits and pieces that we've put together, and I think you know, going back to this, just we know how to work. I'm a, you know, I, I grew up working on farms in Southeast Idaho, and like my colleague and the CEO of this portfolio company that he'd taken public, we know how to dig ditch. We're extremely focused. We're a very light organization. There are only about a dozen of us here in the office, and we. We definitely fight above our weight class, you know, the kinds of deals that we've done. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today on the show, I've got James Clark. James, thanks for making time. How are you doing, Jess? So for people that don't know you, can you can you tell folks a couple of the things that, that you've accomplished? Oh, well, um, first, appreciate you having me on today. Uh, it's really kind of you and, and thoughtful. I'm, um, you know, I, uh, I'm an entrepreneur turned investor. I uh, started um, a company right out of school, out of my undergrad, and had three partners that had the exact same skill set that I did that doesn't always go so well and so and timing didn't go so well for me either I started a business um, in 2001 just six weeks after 9-11 in the internet space so dot-com bubble had burst the world was falling apart um, and it was not ideal an ideal time to raise capital um, but it was a good time for me to start a business. I started a company called ClearLink. About 10 years later, we exited that business. Um, but two years prior to selling the business, of course, so that was we, we sold and, and closed on selling that business in the beginning of 2011. Two years prior, we had run a process trying to sell the business also. I had brought in um, one of our operators um, to run the business as CEO. But again, the world fell apart in 2008, as you well know. And so he... It was left running the company. All of our um, investors sort of, or uh, the buyers, the pool of buyers dried up, and we ended up um, not selling the business, of course. I found myself without a job, um, and ultimately, you know, had to figure out what I was going to do until that business sold. So I set up an office in New York um, and started figuring out what I would do as sort of that next chapter of my life, which was, uh, of course, fell in love with investing and Learned a lot while I was out on Wall Street for those couple of years. Flew back and forth every other week. Um, uh, and then as soon as the business closed and we did sell ClearLink, 
um, set up shop running Clark Capital. And ever since we've been investing in sort of growth equity as our thesis and in our primary focus is businesses that have sort of nailed it and then we come in with some growth capital and help them scale. And I think we've done okay over the last several years. So I think we've been around almost eight years now doing that. We last year had um, two IPOs that we, were, that we participated in and helped to lead. Um, and then we've exited a couple of our other businesses and, and we've got a good little track record and I think we're ready for the next chapter of our business to really get serious about what we're doing. So it's, it's been a, a great run. We've been very, very fortunate, um, but we're really happy with the spot where we find ourselves now and look forward to the future. Yeah, that's exciting. So the show here, Leadership and People, uh, you've obviously been involved in leadership, growing these different businesses, and, and lead in a different way now, where it's portfolio companies, yeah. more than your own staff. Right. Can you talk a little bit about um, maybe a leader, a leadership lesson that served you well? Mm. That's a great question. Uh, there's so many, and I think I, you know, as I think about leadership lessons, my problem is I think I've learned them, and then I forget them, and I have to relearn them, and I, it's a painful process, right? So y you know this firsthand, but um, you know. We look at our businesses, and there, there are always problems. There's, there are great and wonderful things that take place in business, but when we look at the problems that we're trying to solve, and entrepreneurship is, is not easy, right? If it were, everybody would be doing it. But as we look at the problems, they're not generally the business problems that we get caught up in. They're, they're the people problems. And so we become, you know, and I, I, I talk about this a, a lot in our organizations that, you know, yes, we can learn this process or we can be the best at, at, in class on a certain thing, but it's, if, if we forget about our people, we've forgotten everything. And so it's, it's being able to really, truly, and it probably sounds trite, probably sounds very simple, but, you know, just remembering the people and the personalities in this, and we can't solve all problems but it's always the people problems that are the most challenging. And if we, can, if we can overcome those, then we usually find ourselves in a pretty good spot. Yeah, can you, can you give us an example of a sticky one that you've been through? <laughs> How much time do, is your show? <laughs> it's only eight hours. It's yeah, only eight only hours. Eight hours. Uh, um, yeah, you know, um, I don't know that there's one that comes to mind right now relative to the, to the challenges um, that we see. I mean... Or back in ClearLink or oh, just something of we needed to make a change and I realized I waited too long and then... Oh, all the time. I, I, I think one of the things... Okay, so if, if you get specific about that, making changes, I think um, my nature is probably a kinder, gentler nature than a lot of CEOs or entrepreneurs or even investors. And so my tendency is to, okay, well, let's hold off to pass judgment on a certain personality or operator or... Um, you know, senior executive in a business. And if I had just followed my instincts, which were generally, yeah, we probably need to cut ties or we need to pivot or make a change, um, we probably would have been much better off doing that. And I keep thinking, okay, the kinder, kinder gentler version of this or the more generous version is going to serve us well. And I, I think net-net we're ahead, right? But um, I it's easy to say things like fire fast or, you know, cut dead weight, but it's really hard for me personally as a manager because I happen to care about people a lot. Um, you know, again, not to be the trite, I'm a people person or anything like that, but I get the personalities. Thinking about people's families um, and being able to sleep well at night is really important to me. And so we find ourselves probably on the warmer and fuzzier side of you know, growth equity as an investor or even an operator. So um, I'm not that 
cold, calculated killer that some might describe as, um, you know, a, a, a typical either venture capitalist or a, a, a private equity investor. So, yeah, th those kinds of uh, erring to the kinder side is maybe, you know, the downside of, of who I am as a personality. And, s and maybe, you know, that's how people uh, have, have benefited in some ways, but also ways that we've suffered as an organization sometimes in being a little softer than we ought. So knowing that about yourself, mm. um, how do you, what kind of self-talk do you have? How do you overcome that about yourself, knowing that you've got it? How do you do better in the future, recognizing that tendency? Um, I first of all realize that I'm probably not going to change. I, I've, I've been in, you know, using a, a, a term that we hear quite a lot in business, a crucial conversation, right? Where uh, a senior manager within one of our organizations came to me and said, you know, it was one of those conversations where it's, hey, we need more from you. We need you to do better. And that person responded and said, I need you to yell at me. <laughs> and I thought about that and went silent for a moment and responded and said, you know, I, I appreciate that, but I'm not going to change who I am just to satisfy your needs. And, and listen, that, that uh, I look at that and I, I think about that conversation and, and probably would have been the right thing, probably would have helped performance relative to that person. They were asking for it. But at the end of all of this, I'm not likely to change sort of, you know, s the, the trajectory of who I am. Um, to help be, you know, the kind of manager that might be a bulldog or a stickler for this or that. And I, I think I'm, I'm more of a guide, a, a principal guide in, in what we do. And um, I, and a strategist, I think we've got really good ideas that, that we help execute on. And, and, and I'm a cheerleader. So it's hard for me to, you know, be a, a screaming and yelling coach, if you will. Um, so maybe I wear the skirt of a cheerleader and we're proud to do that. So <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Well, uh, talking about this people thing, um, you know, coming up with good ideas, finding the right people to do mm. business with. Um, when you think about relationships and networking and, and spending yeah. time with the kind of people that that might be the kind of individual you, you'd want to do stuff with in the future, what's what's some of your approach? What do you do? What do you like to do? Well, you know, we're, we're betting on horses more than we're betting on races, for sure. And so we, we first look at these operators and... and how can we build a meaningful relationship with this individual and 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 back them essentially, right? So I I'll, I'll give you the example of um, probably our most notable and I wouldn't call it an exit because we're still holders in this one, but they had a phenomenal IPO and the business continues to grow and it's this great operator out of Idaho and you know he talks about ditch digging and when he said those words. From one Idaho boy to another Idaho boy, it just landed. It resonates with me that, you know, he gets how to work. And so I, I wouldn't call this operator the most polished. And certainly I, I think he's far more polished than uh, um, he was, you know, seven, eight years ago. And, and I, but I wa have watched him dig ditch day in, day out, pivot, pivot, pivot again to a strategy that is, I believe, a, a world-class strategy. And guess what? The polish has come. He is, in in my humble opinion, the the best CEO in the make that I've I've ever seen. 
because he first knows how to dig ditch and work really hard. I don't know that I'm answering the question specifically relative to sort of what we do and picking people yeah, and, I- is and our strategy, but boy, I watch for those kinds of subtle cues that are, I get out of work and nobody works harder than this guy. And the polish came and we backed him and it, it has continued to be, you know, a, a roaring success because of his efforts and a relationship that he's built. Is there an example of that? Is there like, is it necessarily that he's putting more hours? Is it that he's putting more hours in the right thing? Like for people who want to get a little more uh, context to that, he's digging ditch. He's, yeah. he's going that extra yeah. mile. What does that, what does that look well, like? Well, f- he's in the office at five thirty every morning. He is an insane road warrior. I mean, he's everywhere. Um, he doesn't need counsel for me, but he asks for it. So it, not a text, not a, an email, not never long emails, but he'll pick up the phone and he'll, he'll ask for my opinion. And then he's going to do whatever he's going to do because he's got good instincts. And um, boy, that's, that makes for an exceptional operator. And he's focused. He is focused. And I think that's the single most important thing for, for an operator to remember. Just, just focus on what's most important. And the rest sort of follows that way. So it, it's been it, it, marvelous to watch, um, yeah. to, to see him, because it's not been easy. And his past is not an easy past. Um, he's had some real challenges in, in business and with other partners and things like that. But it, it was a big bet for us. But I remember hearing this term, dig ditch. And he does every single day. Extreme focus. So pretty great. Interesting. Well, I want to go maybe a different direction on the same theme. Mm-hmm. You think about the different staff you've had back at the ClearLink days mm-hmm. or, or whether it's you know people involved in the office here sure. or, or, or the other businesses. When you think about um, identifying opportunities for staff to maybe grow in their leadership yeah. and knowing that finger pointing and telling <laughs> them to typically is not effective. What, what's your approach of helping, helping your people become leaders? Oh, that's a great question. As I, uh, again, you understand that, uh, you know, I'm probably at that midlife stage. I won't say it's a crisis, right? But as I think and look back on, you know, our time at ClearLink, that I was just a kid sort of, you know, just trying to will it. Um, I didn't have any other choices. I didn't have any other options. We had to succeed. Um, just giving you a little bit of context as to how that started. My, you know, I, I started in the basement of my fiance, convinced her that I was going to make it a success. She had a well-paying job. I convinced her, and I don't know how I did it, to invest in us so that we wouldn't have to go get other outside investors. And she did, even before we were married. So, you know, that the name even of the company was her maiden name, Earl, and my last name, Clark, put together, Clural Inc. And that's where that came from. And, I, you know, we, we just willed it because we had to, to make that work. And I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but I didn't have any other options. We were expecting our first child. I told her by the time our, we would have our first baby, we would be cash flow positive. Uh, and, again, remember, I there's was, a uh, deadline, right? there was an absolute deadline. And so, again, back to that point of pivoting and pivoting again, we didn't have the model dialed in. But I- And not being a, a terribly creative person, simply saying, okay, there is something out there, and there is a business that someone is making work. I came from door knocking and selling satellite dishes door to door, had a company with these partners that I described where we all had the same skill set, left that, started ClearLink. Um, and was that sale number disclosed? 
what you sold clearly? No, okay. we, we didn't share that. It's been sold again to a publicly traded company. I think they've disclosed that number, but no, I think there are a couple thousand full-time employees there today and great team. And, and so many of the initial operators and, and, and the talent that we brought in initially are still there. So it's been wonderful to watch, but we were all just kids. I was the senior statesman as sort of the 30, early 30-something, and the rest were you know, still doing their undergrads and and, and it's fun to see the talent that's come out of that. But um, you know, back to this point of having to make it work. I didn't have a choice with ClearLink. We have a choice every day um, as it relates to what we're doing. I mean, I, I could have, um, and we laugh about this, but we could have you know, bought some silly little island or go buy a house on a beach and sip alcohol-free margaritas for a kid like me and, and do that. I, I think that would have been a pitiful outcome for me and wouldn't have been satisfying at all. And so we got really thoughtful about how we were going to um, build this organization here at Clark Capital and how we would try to help influence these um, organizations that we were going to be a part of. Some we founded, others we've simply invested in, some we've rescued from bankruptcy, um, but how would we operate? Um, you know, so, so there are little bits and pieces that we've put together, and I think you know, going back to this, just we know how to work. I'm a, you know, I, I grew up working on farms in Southeast Idaho, and like my colleague and the CEO of this portfolio company that he had taken public, we know how to dig ditch. We're extremely focused. We're a very light organization. There are only about a dozen of us here in the office, and we we definitely fight above our weight class. You know, the kinds of deals that we've done and look forward to doing in the future. But but as I think about um, sort of the core of the core of who we are and what we're trying to instill, you know, with those that come to work here at Clark Capital and within our, our, our organization is that um, we are operators first so and investors second. You know, Jess, I know you've spent your time out on Wall Street and you know the, all these investors that close their eyes and write a check and feel like they need to beat you up in a boardroom. But I think part of what we do at Clark Capital uh, with our portfolio companies is lock arms and then walk forward and even run with these, you know, these great entrepreneurs. And so I think that we're kindred spirits because we built companies ourselves. Um, we continue to build companies. I probably have one or two more left in me to go start or found or whatever that might look like. But we really enjoy that part of the business and, and, and helping as sort of co-entrepreneurs, but also writing, you know, good-sized checks to help these entrepreneurs move forward in their businesses. So yeah, I, I know that's a long-winded answer to your question, but that's a little bit about us and what sort of the thesis looks like for us now and in the future as we build yeah. our capital. That's great. Well, um, I know we're kind of winding down a bit here. Um, maybe, as, maybe as a final question, um, what's What's a piece of advice you would want to go back and give an <laughs> earlier version of yourself? <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible at giving advice. Um, as one who has received awful advice from very, very smart people, I've gotten, to, to be fair, I've gotten really great advice as well. But some really smart and very successful people have given me advice that was absolutely incorrect. And had I followed that, I would have followed, uh, I would have, gone on a very different trajectory that I'm on right now. So I'm very cautious in giving advice. Um, so perhaps my advice is don't listen to every word that, you know, smart or wealthy people give to you. L let's talk about that for a minute. You know, um, 
Guy Kawasaki, the kind of head yeah. evangelist for, for mm. Steve Jobs when sure. the Mac came out, he talks about the bozos, right? Oh. <laughs> he says when you're starting a business or you're running Are you talking a, about me? I might be one of those guys. Well, that's so. what he says. He says um, there's two kinds of bozos. There's the your brother-in-law bozo, which you spot right off the bat. <laughs> he says the other kind are dangerous because they wear a Breitling watch. He's in a Breitling, uh, right? Okay. They wear a Breitling okay. watch and they drove a fancy car to get oh, here. Oh, yeah. And his, his example was he said uh, – he got some. He got a call, and his answer to the request was, "Well, I don't want to drive an hour, and besides, I don't see how that can be a business, anyways." <laughs> it was when he was being offered the job of being the CEO of Yahoo. Oh, come on! <laughs> Is that right? On. So he says he Is figures that, right? that cost him two billion. <laughs> that's a cool two billion dollars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he says the first billion for my family. That's fine. It's the second billion that kills me. That right? but, but but he brings up this point of, and I would be interested in a- any guidance you have for folks of. Yeah. Obviously, we want to learn from other yeah. people's mistakes and wisdom. And at the same time, just because people have accomplished things doesn't mean that their advice is, is ideal for yeah. us. And I'd be just be interested in any kind of what your gut check is or how you make the decision of whether that a- advice is something you're, you're going to follow or not. You know, you know, I love that example that you brought up of Guy Kawasaki because you, you could s- sincerely – sit in your pajamas for the rest of your life in your basement uh, staring at a television set thinking about the $2 billion that you missed out on. And I know a lot of guys that happen to do that. It might not be a $2 billion number, but they missed out on a certain deal or their company didn't go the way that they planned or they didn't get the promotion. And and my counsel is is pretty simple, and I think it's universally applicable, is that you just want to keep moving forward and stop and, and don't dwell on the missed opportunities. Focus on the opportunities ahead. Um, I, I've had my own, not $2 billion misses, but my several hundred million dollar misses, a choice that I made. And it was the right choice, but it happened to be probably not the financially, as beneficial a choice had I be, gone the other direction. I've done that over and over. But I don't beat myself up. I just try to make up for it in the next decision. And so dwelling on that past, and I, again, I'm saying things that you already know, and hopefully your listeners don't find trite, but just focus, you know, a forward focus, a growth mindset. We hear a lot about that today. And I, I, we love talking about that with our children, with our entrepreneurs, but that growth mindset of moving forward is really exciting to us. Dwelling on the past is so counterintuitive and, and, and not helpful in any way. It's interesting how we humans need to keep learning that though. Yeah. You know, uh, driving around today, I was listening to book going through a bunch of the stoics from 2500 <laughs> years ago <laughs> and you've got marcus aurelius talking about dwell on the present and be consumed with you know be present be consumed with the present fascinating worry about the next thing you're doing right mm-hmm. now and mm-hmm. and you know he's got his 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 anecdote about not worrying about the past or the future but the next step kind of yeah. thing yeah it's interesting how 2500 years later we still need to master that is, about ourselves right isn't that the truth and, and and listen i'm so glad you're bringing that up and i you know i have a fellow board member in this publicly traded company that we have, and, and uh, he asked me on a drive to the airport, he said, and, and both of his kids are at Ivy League schools today, and he just said, what's the single most important characteristic you want to teach your children, James? And I said, let me turn the question on you, Mark. Clearly, you're asking me this question for a reason. And he said, well, I want them to have confidence. I thought, well, that's interesting, because I know a lot of very, very confident people that happen to be wrong a lot, right? Often wrong, never in doubt. Well, that's great. That sounds like a really interesting thing. And again, he came back to me and asked me the question. I just said, I want them to be driven. I want my children to be driven. I want those with whom I work also to be very driven in what they're doing. Because I think, you know, I'm, 
I'm certainly not the smartest guy in the room. I've, I will never say that I am, but I, I, I'm a pretty driven individual. And I probably had to kick down the back door of every either Ivy League or you know overseas uh, institution that I've that I've been to because I'm driven. Or will a company like ClearLink to happen? Or will an IPO to take place? Because we're we happen to be quite driven, and we simply want more and to f and be forward focused in what we do. So hope that that that's you know something that that's meaning it's certainly something that's meaningful to us and i hope it's something that's meaningful to you know those that are that are listening within the context of our conversation yeah that's great well thanks so much for uh, spending time with us here thank today thank you thank you pleasure's mine well that's it for the episode one other thing i wanted to tell you about if you remember the guys from convoy uh in episodes back ken free and trent mano i went on one of their ceo trips to new york and i met a guy named brent thompson very successful entrepreneur. He was former CEO of Jive Communications, big uh, company now, I think three or four hundred million dollars. Anyways, he uh, he started a new company called BlipBillboards.com. I'm super stoked they're a sponsor now. But I, I remember a year and some ago when I met him, I thought it was genius. Instead of having to buy six months or a year's worth of billboards um, for thousands of dollars, you can buy eight seconds at a time for like ten or twenty cents. You pick what billboard you want it on what time of day you want it to run. And it just puts so much power in the hands of, of marketers and CEOs who want to try something and see if it works. You can buy as many or as few as you want, change it as many times as you want. Uh, I think now our podcast is being advertised on billboards in like 18 different states because we have these guys as sponsors. We're pretty excited about it. Hope you check out blipbillboards.com. Thanks.